You know, um, these are the Shabbat days of, uh, uh, we call them consolation, right? Of uh, looking forward to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It sounds, if you're familiar with those holidays, it sounds like an odd thing to do because they're like days of repentance and confession of sin and so on. But it's very interesting that on the calendar, uh, the way about a thousand years ago, it was determined how we would like approach these days uh, is that first we would remember the great sadnesses, the consequences of sin, right? Which culminates in Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, which usually is around August, right? Uh, we uh, read Lamentations. If you've ever been, anybody ever been to a service on uh, a Tisha B'Av in a, a, you know, a regular traditional synagogue? You sit on the floor. You sit on the floor. You don't even sit in the, in the uh, pews. And, uh, it, you know, it's really quite an interesting uh, service of confession and, and lamentations. Lamentations is, uh, is read, right? But then right after that, each Shabbat after that, going to Rosh Hashanah, uh, are great passages of sal- promises of salvation that begin in Isaiah chapter 40. Nachamu, Nachamu, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Uh, and uh, if you have been following it, you know that last week uh, it was Isaiah chapter 51 uh, to 52, 12, okay? And this week is chapter 54 and 55, right? So what's missing, right? 52, 13 to 53, 12, which is all of Isaiah 53. And that is the great suffering servant passage of, uh, of a Messiah. Quite, that, that is the, the most obvious passage in the entire Tanakh, in the entire Jewish Bible, uh, that is uh, about Yeshua. In fact, when uh, I was investigating uh, Yeshua, whether he was the Messiah, I went to a meeting and the guy leading the meeting said, Howard, I'm going to read something to you. And he read Isaiah 53 that passage to me, and I said, you know what I said? I said, we don't believe the New Testament. Why are you reading something uh, in the New Testament? That, uh, you know, and so then he turned his Bible around, and, you know, have you ever had the, uh, the sensation of being, like, being somewhere you're not supposed to be and then seeing somebody you know, right? <laughs> you know, it was kind of like that with Isaiah 53. It was like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You, you, you know, uh, and this uh, uh, realization that, wow, he was reading to me from a passage from the prophets of Israel, you know, but it was so obvious that I said, that's uh, the Messiah, right? So, of course, uh, did, did I say, how can I be saved? No, it made me angry, <laughs> right? And I went home and I looked in our, like, the family Bible, you know, dust it off, open it up, right? And there it is. There it was, same thing. So people sometimes will ask, they've heard, maybe you've heard that, you know. So people will say, did they take uh, Isaiah 53 out of the Jewish Bible? I said, no. Of course they didn't take it out of the Bible. But it is not part of the weekly readings, okay? Uh, And so the obvious uh, reason for that is it's so blatantly uh, messianic. But the less obvious reason that it's not there was because of, sadly, Christian anti-Semitism of, of the Crusades. That's why it was taken out. 
that, you know, we don't want our people uh, hearing that or believing that. That's what the, the people who are killing us and person. This is not good news for Jews. Uh, you know, uh, this message is not good news for Jews. There is uh, not, no worse testimony to the Jewish people than the Christian anti-Semitism uh, of, the, of, that, uh, of that time uh, to not too long ago. Uh, and so that's kind of interesting and important for us to know. Okay, so that serves a, kind of as a little bit of a segue into uh, the message for today. Because we are in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And, I, uh, uh, and we're going to see today... now. Some of you, I think, who have been around the block a few times, what that means is uh, you've uh, read uh, the Brit Chadashah, you've read the New Covenant, or you grew up going to a church, or you took a course on the Book of Acts in Bible school, or, or you have read through Acts, and, and uh, you, know, uh, you have here in chapter 2 the birth of the church, and so on and so forth. Well, as you're learning that what Luke is bringing out is that this is the revival of Israel. This is the promise, the beginning. This is the setting into motion of the end of the ages as the prophets of Israel uh, uh, promised uh, you know, in, their, uh, in their writings. Uh, and that from time immemorial, Jewish people have this hope, the hope of Israel, the hope of the future, the hope, you know, today is a you know, persecution and terrible things, but the, but the day of the future, that is what we, that's what we live for, the day of the Messiah, the day when there'll be relief from everything, right? And so what we're learning is, is what Luke is communicating to us, is that this began to be set in motion in Acts chapter 2, and continues, frankly, to this uh, day. So uh, first, we looked at the first part of Acts chapter 2, and that is the event, the event itself. It's on Shavuot. Uh, that should not surprise us that it's on a Jewish holiday, uh, that this most dramatic moment takes place, right? On Shavuot. Uh, Shavuot traditionally is the giving of the, the celebration of the receiving of Torah, the giving of uh, the, the, the Torah. Uh, and here, and it is not a coincidence, uh, it is the, the uh, pouring out of the Ruach, the pouring out of the Spirit of, uh, the, the Spirit of God. And uh, from the book of Joel, and uh, where the, this passage in Joel is written about in later Jewish texts, it's obvious that this is the sign of the, the Olam Haba, the world to come. Right, uh, and uh, and and so uh, that this is the event, the world to come. Then you have uh, the uh, the uh, explanation of the event, and that is this message of of Peter uh, that we talked about uh, that we talked about last time. So I, I don't have time to re to repeat the whole thing, but the the message that he gives is basically that uh, this Yeshua, whom you crucified, you got it wrong. That it turns out that, that the grave could not hold him and he rose from the dead according to Scripture. That uh, he died according... E even that was the will of God. You didn't realize it. 
You know, as, uh, as he says here in verse uh, uh, 23, it says, This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed uh, to a tree, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death, right? This was the predetermined plan of God, even though you didn't realize it. By the way, there's a great lesson in that. That sometimes when bad things happen, God is at work and we might not even realize it while it's taking place, right? Okay? I could go off on that. That would be a nice devotional. But, uh, but anyway, uh, that was true. And you should, think about it horizontally. You know what I mean? When I say horizontally, I mean like not from, okay, this is the meaning of it. But if we were there and it was happening, we'd say, oh, wow, this is like a horrific event. You know, he's, he's being... Uh, uh, he's getting the capital punishment, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and like a criminal, right? I mean, you talk about a miscarriage of justice. You know, there it is. But here it says by the predetermined plan of God. Okay, all right. Uh, and so then we see that you know God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And then he he used so he makes a statement. You crucified him, okay? You got it wrong because he rose from the dead. And this is all according to the will of the God of Israel, okay? And then he quotes, uh, he quotes he's quoted already Joel about the, the a sign of the, the languages, right? Uh, the pouring out itself. Uh, and then... Uh, for the resurrection of the, the death and resurrection, he quotes Psalm uh, 16. He quotes a verse in Psalm 132 uh, and the first verse of Psalm 110, basically to say that he is indeed the descendant of David, who is the Messianic King. He is not. He has not come in the way that everybody thought he was going to come. Uh, but he is indeed the Messianic king, uh, and we see that uh, he has poured out uh, the, uh, the uh, Ruach, okay? Uh, that's very important uh, also uh, uh, to get. When it says in verse 33, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and uh, hear. Okay, so he says Yeshua has the authority. He has had, he is pouring out uh, the uh, the Spirit, and he says, "For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet." So he is the king. He has the dominion. Okay, Yeshua does. And so that's why verse 36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Yeshua whom you crucified. He repeats that, this Yeshua whom you crucified. He has made him both Lord and Messiah. Now when he says Lord and Messiah, uh, uh, very, two very important words. He's the Messiah, means he's the deliverer. Okay, he's the deliverer, but he's also the Lord because he, he was the, he has always been the Lord, but now he is fulfilling this role of king, kingship, having dominion 
He sits, he, sits on, he sits at the right hand of the Father. He pours out the Ruach. And this is what we read in the book of Daniel about the Son of Man coming in the clouds, right? So this is setting, all of, setting in motion all the events that will ultimately unfold and take place, okay? Now again, it's very important to remember that he says this to Israel. Men of Israel, right? Okay. So now this is important. In verse 37, remember, this is a Jewish audience. Very important in Acts chapter 2. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Okay. Their heart was, their heart was cut. Did you ever ask yourself, well, why were they pierced to the heart? You know, if Peter had preached a message like this, you better, you know, you horrible, wicked worms, you sinners, you better repent or you're going to go to hell. Okay. Now, if he had said that, maybe they, you know, uh, maybe they would have been pierced to the heart. Like, oh, wow, I don't want that to happen, right? Or, 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 or what if he gave a message uh, uh, that uh, said, you know, uh, bad times are coming, and unless you embrace Yeshua, you're not going to escape any of that bad times, any of those bad times. Whoa, pierced to the heart, uh, uh, you know? I, do you ever, uh, uh, I remember when I was just in another, another place in another time, uh, going to uh, uh, this place where they were, they were going to show this movie, like this horrible movie uh, with the goal is, is basically to scare people into the kingdom of God. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, uh, so I could see that, oh, I'm convicted, I'm scared, and I'm convicted of my sins. Well, when you read the message that Peter preaches here, do you ever ask yourself, what were they, I mean, what, is, what was it about that message that pierced their heart? Okay, probably we haven't asked that question, but now we're asking. It's kind of like the question of, when, they, when these Galileans spoke, spoke and everybody heard them in their own language, what did they actually hear them say? Right? Remember that question a few weeks ago? So this is another question. What is it that made them be convicted? Okay. Well, so it's important to recognize who, who he is uh, speaking to. Evidently, they are pierced because the one that they thought was a scourge in their community, because the one that they thought was a blasphemer, the one that they thought was a, uh, some kind of charlatan or troublemaker, the one whom they brought to the Roman authorities and, uh, and uh, uh, chose a criminal to spare so that Yeshua could die, it turns out they were wrong. It turns out that he actually is the Messiah and now he is the one who uh, uh, has poured out this ruach, uh, and we're now like on the bad side of God. Uh-oh, right? And so, you know, I think that it helps us to, if you go back to like Mark chapter 14, you read a passage like this, Mark 14, 53. And they led Yeshua away to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes gathered together. 
And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the officers and warming himself by the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain testimony against Yeshua to put him to death, and they were not finding any. For many were giving false testimony against him, and yet their testimony was not consistent. And some stood up and began to give false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another one without hands. And not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. And the, and the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Yeshua, saying, Do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Yeshua said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Clearly, that, uh, that is uh, Daniel uh, 7, and it says that to him is given dominion. And that is why Luke says he is Lord and Messiah. And tearing his clothes, the high priest said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. And some began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists, and to say to him, Prophecy! And the officers received him uh, with slaps in the face. Okay? So now, the people that are hearing this, the people that are, they've seen, this they've seen with their own eyes this, uh, the miracle of the pouring out of the Ruach, and they have heard the testimony of the eleven, that Yeshua rose from the dead, of the other 11, of Peter and the other 11, that Yeshua rose from the dead, and that he is Lord and Messiah, this is what has convicted them. All right. So, you know, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of another passage. It's in Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, in chapter 12, regarding the future. Because, you know, the reality is, is that what you have in Acts chapter 2 is a remnant of our people, a remnant of Jewish people that are saying, whoa, he really is the Messiah. He really is the one. You know, all this time we thought, oh, yeah, he's the God of the Goyim. He's the God for the Gentiles. Who needs Jesus? We have God. It's the name of a book, right? I, and I, you know, and I... Uh, in fact, you know that in Israel, or not just in Israel, but uh, in uh, Jewish circles, uh, Yeshua is called by another name that's close to Yeshua. And sometimes well-meaning people who are not knowledgeable hear that and say, oh, they're calling him Yeshua. But let's just say it's not Yeshua. Okay? It's a very derogatory uh, word. All right, uh, And we know that conventional wisdom in the Jewish world is that Yeshua is not the Messiah, right? I mean, is that breaking news to anyone? No, right? He's not the Messiah. The uh, conventional wisdom in the Jewish community is that we are charlatans. The conventional wisdom in the Jewish community is that we are, no matter what kind of nice relationship you may have uh, with individuals in the community, 
as a uh, uh, belief and as a congregation, we are not welcome uh, and, uh, and are perceived to be dangerous, and are perceived to be dangerous, okay? In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, we see that when Yeshua returns, when he manifests himself uh, as indeed the king, like, you know, where everybody sees it and knows it, uh, you know, when, when he returns. It says in Zechariah 12.10, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly for him as the bitter weeping over a firstborn. May I suggest that when Yeshua came and the Spirit was poured out and Peter preached, this is the remnant who, who mourns over the one uh, who was crucified. Okay? And this is the testimony. In Isaiah chapter, now turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 is the testimony of Jewish Messiah followers who have always viewed him as bad news and then come to the realization that he really is the Messiah. Okay? In Isaiah 53, when we read here, at the beginning of it, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The power of God been revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. And that's how it was when Yeshua came. What is it about him? He's this guy that, uh, he's, he's not, uh, you know, a Jerusalem Jew. He's a Galilean Jew. He's uh, not somebody that, uh, you know, uh, is in the line of the sages and someone who uh, uh, is uh, understood to be like, uh, you know, a great, uh, a great rabbi, although he was a great rabbi. It says, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. We, we did not esteem him. This is the testimony of those Jews uh, in Jerusalem uh, on that Shavuot day. Uh, and it will be the testimony of Jewish people when Yeshua returns, okay? Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. This is how we viewed him. But he was, now here's the testimony. Now we've come to the light. Now we know who he is. And we realize that his death was by the predetermined plan of God and that, de that death could not hold him and that he rose from the dead, right? He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, by his suffering, by his whippings and all that, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. If you go down to verse 10, it says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, as the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his 
hand. Okay? As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. And he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured himself out to death and was numbered up with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. As a result of Peter's speech, they recognize that, wow, he is the Messiah and Lord, and he rose from the dead, and we sent him to his death. Oh, no. You know, we are part of this perverse generation, as it's called. So that's important uh, when it says they were pierced to the heart uh, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what do we, what do, we do? Are we, in other words, is it a lost cause for us? We, we, you know, we persecuted him. We, we did, is, is, it all, is, there, is there no hope for us? And so there's good news. Peter says, repent and let each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far uh, off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. Okay, so when he says, repent and let each of you be immersed, that little phrase, repent and let each of you be immersed, that was something they, okay, like that's what John preached. Uh, let, uh, you know, uh, repent and be immersed, right? So it begins with repentance. Repent, turn around, you know? In other words, uh, 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 you're convicted of this. Now turn around and, and recognize him for who he is. Start with that, right? Uh, that he is, acknowledge that he is indeed uh, the Messiah. He is indeed the Lord. He is the one who is sitting at the right. He is the son of David sitting at the right hand of the father. And he is the one who has poured out the Ruach, right? Uh, and he is Lord and Messiah, right? Repent. Think differently. Turn around and be immersed, right? And immersion, as we know, has always been the manifestation of repentance. But it says, repent in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Okay? In other words, acknowledge him that he is indeed the Lord and the Messiah. Okay? He is Lord and Messiah based on what has happened and based on what Peter has preached. As Peter might say, based on what I've preached, I believe that, okay? And be immersed in his name, acknowledging Yeshua as Lord and Messiah, okay? And the result is you'll be saved from your sins. You'll have the forgiveness of your sins and, and you, will be, uh, you will be immersed in the Ruach and part of this community of Messiah followers. Part of this community of Messiah followers. Uh, and uh, now you'll notice uh, at the in verse twenty one, at the end of the Joel passage, it says, "And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Okay, now that can mean a lot of things, and it does mean depending on the context and on the passage and what's going on. But what it meant to Jews here is, "We'll be forgiven," right? 
If we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be forgiven. Yeshua is Lord and Messiah. Call upon him, repent of your uh, erroneous understanding of him, repent of what you did, and receive him, be immersed, and you'll be forgiven, and you'll have the Ruach. And we learn later on that, that Paul says that when we are immersed in the Ruach, we become part of the body of Messiah. And, and so I, I, that's what you need to do. He tells them, they're pierced heart, this is what you need to do. Now, I've said this before, so I'm not going to repeat it all over again. But in, uh, in Acts, you see uh, the order of things. Uh, people repent, right? But sometimes they receive the Ruach before they're immersed. Uh, sometimes after they're immersed. There's not an... You know, we, we are very linear people. And so one, two, three, four. That's not what Peter's bringing out. First this, then this, then this, then this. It's just this is what happens. Okay? This is what happens. Uh, and so this is the promise. And it is for... Now, in this context, I would suggest that it's for Jews, not only who are here... But Jews in Babylon, Jews all over the all, where, wherever in the diaspora we may be, this is the beginning of the end. Okay. Now we'll see later on that the and and Peter has to be convinced of it like three different ways that this message is for Gentiles too. Okay. But here he's talking about uh, about a Jewish uh, Jewish people, uh, and then it says. In verse 40, and with many other words, many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse uh, generation. So then those who had received his word were immersed, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay? So... I think that it's uh, uh, very important for us to understand a couple of things. Uh, a couple of things about this. One is is that you know that um, uh, in Luke, in the second chapter, it's quite clear that when Yeshua comes uh, and uh, the message is for Jews and Gentiles, that for Jews, he's, it says he's the glory of Israel, right? And, uh, and for Gentiles, he's the revelation of God, right? And so here, what uh, Peter is bringing out is that he is the glory of Israel. He is the one. He is the one who was promised. And we got it all wrong. And so here is an opportunity uh, to repent. Peter is bringing a particular... It's interesting the message that he gives the message is basically filled with messianic promise and testimony of, uh, of what they saw in Yeshua. Okay? That uh, uh, the, the message that he gives to these Jewish people is promises from the Tanakh coupled with testimony. All right? I think that it's important uh, when we think about, well, well, we're trying to bring this message to our people. We're trying to bring a message of good news to, uh, uh, to, to the Jewish community. 
hey, maybe we ought to uh, recognize that maybe the good news for Jews uh, is that the promised Messiah has come uh, and he rose from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is Lord and Messiah. And he has done what the prophets have promised by his resurrection. He has now poured out, and his ascension, he has poured out the Ruach uh, and, uh, and it's demonstrated by the presence of the Ruach in our community. And you, you can tell. So when we are uh, 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 being a testimony uh, to our community, to our, our community, Jewish community, we need to demonstrate and manifest that Yeshua is the King of Israel. Okay? That he's the King of Israel and that there's something going on. You know, there's like something happening here, right? And what we read later on is uh, the demonstration of that is the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the way that we operate as uh, Messiah followers, the way that we relate to each other, the community of Jews and Gentiles as, as one in Messiah, uh, forgiveness, uh, of you know of one another, uh, and just whatever demonstrations of the ruach uh, that God may do, perhaps a healing, perhaps you know something uh, uh, supernatural, as a testimony to our community of who the Messiah is. We don't usually think in those terms, but we need to. We need to recognize. Wow, you know what we see in Acts. We are in Acts two. Okay? We're in Acts chapter 2. We are a messianic uh, community. Uh, we uh, uh, formerly uh, denounced Yeshua. I uh, did not like Yeshua. Said bad things about Yeshua. Right? Right? I mean, if you're Jewish here, you said bad things about Yeshua. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care who you are. Right? Right. Right? Right. Uh, and then there is this coming to, a coming to Yeshua moment, right? Of recognizing he's the one that we pierced. He's the one that was uh, uh, killed. We were all wrong about him, right? Uh, and so we repent. We're immersed. We're forgiven. We receive the Ruach. And here we are, right? That's the Jewish story. Okay, uh, as we read in Isaiah 53, as we read in Zechariah chapter 12, as we read in Acts chapter 2, this is the Jewish story. We didn't get to the story of the nations yet, okay? But this is the, this is the Jewish story. So I think, I don't know about you, but I see this as really encouraging, uh, you know, and that, wow, we, you know, uh, if I'm thinking, if I'm going to have the opportunity to bring the good news to, uh, to my Jewish friends or family member, or maybe you're here today, that this is the message, that uh, Yeshua is the descendant of David. Uh, he is, uh, by the predetermined plan of God, the one who was crucified, right? For, and took our sins uh, upon him. Uh, he rose from the dead, and not only rose from the dead, but then he disappeared. And then this ruach has been poured out. 
And we're getting eyewitness testimony from people who were there that saw him who is, when he was raised from the dead and, and, poured, and poured out the, uh, the Ruach. And so, well, uh, so as Jews, when we read this as Jews in Acts chapter 2, it's like saying, okay, this kind of validates me. This kind of says to me, yes, he's the Messiah of Israel. Yes, wow, I, I, receiving him is the, the, is the right thing because this is who he is, okay? All right, and so then it says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, so wow, the, what is the result? They're continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're, they're listening to what the apostles... We don't know what they're teaching. It just says they were listening to the apostles' teaching. They were learning all about what Yeshua had to say. This is like discipleship, right? They were paying attention to Yeshua's teaching. And to koinonia, a fellowship, that this new kind of experience of relating to one another uh, in, the, in the Ruach, they're, they're experiencing this, the kind of fellowship, hopefully, that we experience, uh, that we say is unique to a messianic uh, community, this, this kind of koinonia, uh, this organic unity uh, that, that we have. And then to the breaking of bread. Could be like eating together, like the oneg. It could be like the beginnings of, the, of Messiah's table. We're not quite sure. It, uh, but clearly, they're sharing a meal together. And then it says, and to prayer. When it says prayer, I would suggest it's not just spontaneous prayer, but it's the prayers that they were used to, you know? Uh, 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 prayers, uh, a Jewish prayer. Uh, that they was, you know, if you go down to chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Okay? So they were still very much connected to the, to the Jewish community. They believed in the Messiah of Israel. This wasn't the beginning of like some new organization as we lay over this text oftentimes. Okay? Uh, and, and so uh, a prayer, certainly part of Jewish life, infused, of course, with Yeshua. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Wow. I mean, they were all in, right? They were all in they were uh, recognizing that ever I have belongs to God, and wherever there's a need, we want to meet that need. Okay, this was not something of sign on the dotted line and hand in your mortgages, or you know, or you know, hand in the title to everything that you, that you own. This is what. No, it's like where, where there's a need, we're going to meet that need. So they were beginning to experience like new covenant reality of of, of life and experience. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then we read, and day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Uh, wait a minute, what? 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 Continuing with one mind in the temple. Oh, uh, not first assembly uh, over here. What? what? Uh, and day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity and heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Favor with all the people. That means they were a good testimony. They, they, people saw, people around them saw, wow, there's something about this. There's something going on. They did, the people around did not see this as a not-Jewish event. They saw this, the, that something is happening in our Jewish world. This was a revival within the Jewish world. This was the first messianic revival right here, okay, that we are a part of. Do you know that before the word messianic got hijacked to mean everything that there is under the sun, uh, that what it meant was Jewish people in the Jewish world would embrace Yeshua. That's what it was. That's how we see it in our heads, by the way. Okay? Uh, that, that this is that. Uh, and so I think there's a lot to learn here by the way, the way that we share the message, uh, the good news that, that we share, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, and the way that it's received. And this is really our testimony as, again, as a messianic uh, uh, Jewish community. I think the challenge for us here is, wow, are, are we sold out like them? You know, uh, are we, uh, uh, here it says, they were continually, like always, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, feeling a sense of awe, the signs and wonders of the apostles in other words, they could see that, that something is happening. Uh, and here they're all together and they have all things in, in, in common. Uh, and, uh, 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 and even giving uh, uh, you know, their goods uh, uh, to one another. They were tied into the Jewish world uh, here, yet, at the, yet tied into the Jewish world, but at the same time meeting with each other, making sure that they were meeting with each other. Uh, and, uh, and there you go. Uh, and it's, uh, it's amazing because we're going to see the next event in chapter 3. Uh, someone's going to get healed, and then Peter is going to explain what's going on. And, and that speech really becomes very helpful in understanding uh, how things are today as opposed to what they'll be indeed in the future. Uh, but I, I think that uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, is very foundational for us in understanding the message, the, the, the initial message and the recipients uh, and, uh, and the response. Uh, and uh, it's like a paradigm. I think Luke actually writes it that way. It's like a paradigm. It's like a model, you know? Uh, and, uh, and I think that it should give us uh, motivation uh, as well, because this is the beginning in Jerusalem part. This is begin and still in chapter 3 and 4 and 5, beginning in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, may we remember, always remember, that the message begins uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and, uh, and no matter who we are, it's great that we can, when we hear about Yeshua, he meets us where we are, right? No matter who we are, whatever our culture is, right? I mean, he meets us where we are and, and, uh, and gives us the opportunity. It's never a lost cause. What should we do? Were there pierced to their heart? What do we do? Repent. Turn around. Believe. You know, 
Get immersed. You'll have the Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll um, uh, have the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, and uh, uh, remember that when we talk about the forgiveness of our sins, just in closing, the forgiveness of our sins here is the rejection of the Messiah. But I would suggest that wherever we're at when we come to know the Lord, that our sin is a rejection of the Messiah, okay? That's what our sin is. Our sin, it may manifest itself in all kinds of ways, but our sin is rejecting the Messiah. And when we embrace, when we repent, we're saying, oh, he is who he is. He is Lord. He is the King. I'm turning to him. And he forgives our sins to this day. That is good news. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that even back in Isaiah, in today's Haftorah portion, as a result of the, of the uh, death of the Messiah in Isaiah, thank you, Lord, that right after that, the very next words we read is, Shout for joy, O barren one, you have borne no child. Break forth into joy, shouting and crying aloud, you who have not trevied. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married one, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. And then later on it says, Fear not, you will not be put to shame. Neither feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For the Lord, for your husband is your maker whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. That's the reaction. That's the beginning of Isaiah 54, right after Isaiah 53. And uh, God, thank you, God, that Yeshua is our Redeemer. Yeshua is the Holy One of Israel. He has poured forth the Ruach. We are the bride of Messiah. Lord, thank you, God, for this great news. And God, we, uh, we do pray for our people that eyes would be opened to know him, Lord. And we look forward to that day when all Israel will believe. We look forward to that day when all of our people will recognize him whom they have pierced and will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. We thank you, Lord, because the end result of that is the reconciliation of the world. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for us here that... Uh, you have uh, brought us to this place of repentance and salvation, uh, Lord. And uh, God, may, may you use us to continue to bring this message forward. We pray in Messiah's name.